You may be seated. Metro praise. We praising his name. Come on. Come on. Man, you got off the drums too early, son. Go back up there. Give me that 808. Because I'm going to introduce you to somebody from the old school. Somebody say the old school. This brother goes back to me all the way back to New Orleans. Give me that 808. Yeah. Metro praise. We praising his name. Come on. Come on. Whoa. Whoa. Metro praise. We praising his name. Come on. Come on. Well, at the age of 18, Jesus Christ made me clean. Took away my sin. Y'all know what I mean. I used to run with that devil. Now I'm on another level living for my man, Jesus Christ, because that price is right. I'm a 6'2 soldier from Fort Wayne. Living for Jesus Christ and his holy name. All my people out there, y'all still in the game. Trying to make dope dollars and get your fame. You better get your life straight before it's too late. You're going to find your name upon a graveyard slate. And all my 14-year-old soldiers out there, you better be ready. Hell, the devil, they looking everywhere just to take you out. Like another hit, smoke you up, blow you out, that's it. Are you ready, boy? Jesus, real McCoy, if you're in this place, everybody raise your hands and say there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. Well, what there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Watch what. Well, when I say heaven, everybody say yeah, say in heaven. Say in heaven. Well, when I say hell, everybody say no. Say in hell. Say in hell. Woo! Now listen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jeffrey, now known as JJ, you shall prosper Simmons, Amen. knew me when I was a younger man, less gray hair. Did you know when it was long and flowy? When I was skinny? And he knew me because I would go out, by God's grace, in New Orleans, preach the gospel. I met him when he was 14 years old. And so this is how we used to do church back in New Orleans. And so he's here today visiting. I want you to give it up for J.J. Simmons as he gives a testimony. We're not so Hallelujah. young anymore, but tell me what God's been doing, man of God. Well, first of all, before I start talking, I'm going to take my earrings out because I know no preacher with Pastor Joe would be allowed to be up here like that. No. <laughs> I know you're being funny. No, no, I'm being for real. Amen. Really? I'm, hey, listen. Really? No, you know, I've changed over the years. Okay, okay. You know he remembers you're right. a stricter amen, me. Amen. But see, they laugh. Amen. That was the amen in the spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, the greatest thing we can have in the kingdom of God is that we never lose our conviction. Oh, that was weak. The greatest thing we can have is that we never lose our conviction for God. Because I'm going to tell you something. I decree this right now. If you decide to backslide, you know, this preacher told me this when I was 14, and i never forget. He said, if you backslide, this was your exact words, and I released this word over everybody today. If you backslide, the streets will never respect you. See, your friends that you're preaching to when you saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost right now, and then you try to go be like them, they, they really going to lose respect for you. In your mind, you're trying to be cool. This is a word for somebody. You're trying to be cool. You told me that. I never forgot that, and it really happened. Because, see, I still had the conviction, and I'm up here, you know, started smoking weed with them again. And they're looking at me like, dude, you was just preaching a few days ago. 
So I decree that over you right now, that you never lose your conviction, and that if you, you ain't going to backslide, but if you even flirting with them, amen, and trying to try to get them, because that's what we do. You know, when we trying to, okay, I'm going to get into my testimony. You get what I'm trying to say. The streets would not respect you if you try to go back. They won't. They won't, because they're looking for a hero. Anyway, I was uh, at, at the age of 12. Amen, that's real. They're looking for a hero. Y'all know that, huh? You got power to set them free by the grace of God. Ooh, that was weak. This side, this side, feeling it. Listen, you got power. Power. You ain't give, he ain't give you the spirit of fear, but of power. Amen. Say that. Say power. Stand up. Stand up. Everybody stand. Say, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. 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 You shall receive the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, act like it. Amen. As my African pre power. Amen. You need African power. Amen. Okay. See, I live in New Orleans. We got real witches out there. Amen. You need power. Okay, I, I, well, I'm feeling that. I'm telling you, that's, that's a rever power. He told the disciples, he, you, you got power over the serpents. See, you got to start acting like that. You know, we ain't no longer praying for, you know, for light bill money. We got power. Yeah, we ain't praying for light bill money no more. Anyway, 12 years old. Amen. All light bills paid. Amen. Amen. Okay, okay. Y'all, you got to catch that. All light bills paid for the, for the next 10 years. Ooh, they ain't feeling it over here. She feeling me. Okay, 12 years old, I started getting high in the streets. Boy, I'm telling you, oh, Lord Jesus. 12 years old, started, uh, unfortunately, started getting, started smoking weed at 12. Um, I'm originally from Honduras, unfortunately, and fortunately in, in, the, in the Spanish culture. And back in those days, um, you know, smoking weed was like equivalent, at least in, to my family, as almost like a gang member, you was a murderer, you smoking weed. I'm 12, you got to understand. You know, I have a 12-year-old now, and it's just to see that, it's, it's devastating, you know. Fast forward, 14 years old, this, uh, I have to say, this white guy, this phenomenal guy. Pastor, so Pastor Joe and them used to do events in my neighborhood. This is so phenomenal, right? New Orleans is a small city, but it's a crazy city, Amen. Buku people, buku mean a lot for those of you who don't know. You say that you still use that? Okay, anyway. So, out of all the neighborhoods in New Orleans, uh, this guy named this prophet, I noticed you was a JJ too last night. You never told me that. Joseph James Rarostic, a prophet. Came to my neighborhood at 14. I got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit in this man's apartment. Um, at 14. Any 14 year olds want to receive the Holy Ghost today? It's, is is open right now, amen. And unfortunately for me, you know the the father of lies. And this is what I was trying to say earlier. The father of lies convinced me that I was too young to serve God, and I wanted to be like everybody else again. And I bought into that lie, right? <laughs> and guess what? I almost died six times because of that. I saw death in the face six times, literally, no exaggeration. I'm talking about like on the movies when you start seeing your little sister and you just, yeah, I had that moment. Yeah, it's funny today, but it's real life. I really experienced it, but because I had power. Amen. I had a calling. 
And if you hear today, it's, it's, you know, it's no Hebrew word for coincidence. You have a calling on your life. You know, you have a destiny, but you got to take it. Because guess what? The enemy, he's not a gentleman. Huh? But the violent take it by. So that's what happened for me. And by the grace of God, at the age of 23, when I got tired of running, Houston, Texas, January 27, it was 14 years the other day. It only makes sense I'm in Chicago right now, right? It just dawned on me like, wow, it's been 14 years. I recommitted my life back to God. Here I am, you know. Um, God is blessed. Like this last 20 months of my life in a pandemic, by the grace of God, I've been more successfully in all areas of my life financially than I have in the last 15 years combined. Amen. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, real estate investor wrote books, but that's irrelevant. You know, last night it was so awesome with you, and it was amazing because, like, we, we was talking, you know, this is more significant to me than, you know, trying to sell 100,000 copies of my books, you know? Because this, this is what it's really about. But that's my story. J.J. Simmons, Mr. Very Light, you know, that's my new book, you know, Matthew 11:30. for his yoke is easy and his burden is... His burden is... Light bills paid. Let there be light. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, man of God. Hey, if anybody wants the man of God's books, Metro Praise will, will pay for them and we'll give them out. So anybody want books, just let him know. We'll write down your name. man. He's written a bunch of different books on faith and it will encourage you. How many are encouraged this morning? Amen. Amen. Come with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. I'm going to try to keep it shouting, keep the energy up. As we go into the teaching of deeds versus the flesh, how many excited to live by the Spirit? Amen. Amen. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Last week we talked about that there is a battle between the flesh and the Spirit and that you really cannot do what you want to do. You will either become what the flesh wants you to be, which is not your solical life, which is not that inner life, or you will be what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants you to be, which is really, once again, not your solical life. The word solical may sound like popsicle, but I'm trying to say the word soul with ickle at the end. Everybody listening to me? Solical. It's just a description of your soul, like your physical you are a physical body, you are also spiritual, and then you're what? Solical. There you go. You learned some theology. I won't embarrass you. Try it with somebody, and they, they might think you sound smart, okay? And so when we look at our soul, the soul is the place we make our decisions. But we cannot decide what the flesh will do with us. We can decide to go with the flesh, but the flesh will have its own instinct, its own mind, its own control. When we decide with our soul to go to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we do not have control over that. We have to yield to the control of God. Now, this is where we feel uncomfortable because we really feel that we're in control of everything. But in the discussion of the flesh versus the spirit, you and I are only in control of one thing. That is the choice of who our master, the controller, will be. Does everybody get that? You control and decide who will or what in this situation will control you. The flesh is a what? The spirit is a person. Everybody tracking with me? And so I want you to understand this because so often when we look at the battle of the soul, uh, the, the flesh versus the spirit, 
We think that when we choose to be in the flesh, that temptation, those animal instincts, those sinful desires, we really think that's us. But it's not us. And I tried to give you examples of this last week. Now let me make it a little bit clearer because I listened to myself and I said, I think I can make these a little bit more clear. Somebody say, make it plain. How many know there's obese people in America and there's obese people in China and there's obese people in India and there's obese people in Vietnam? Those countries I just named, how many know there's obese people? But how many know when each one of them gets up and has a craving, they will crave something different? So in America, you probably have more options than somebody in Vietnam. You're going to crave something like a pizza, a hamburger, a chicken, something like that. You know? You're going to crave what has been in your culture that has been easy to gain access to. That is now your craving. You will now own that, most people do, and say that's an I craving. I crave that. But really your eye, your soul doesn't really crave that thing. It's your flesh. Your flesh became addicted to that thing. How do I know? Because somebody else who's obese in Vietnam is not waking up craving what you're craving. And they have the same soul as you do in the sense that it is made of the same kind of stuff. But their flesh has been trained to desire other kinds of food. Is everybody tracking with me? So when the person in Vietnam says, I am craving this, and then you in America say, I am craving that, you guys are craving two different things, but in your soul, you are actuality the same. You're giving into your flesh. Your flesh is different, but your soul is both the same. Is everybody tracking with me? You're a soul that's submitting to the flesh. That was one example. Another one that I wanted to give is about how we look at ourselves and our self-image. When I went to India, there were women that I didn't think should be showing their belly buttons, but they were. In India, it is quite common from there to wear, for, their, uh, for them to wear something like a pant or a dress that goes from the underneath of the belly button on down, and then a top that will conceal the top parts, but there'll be a big wide space in the middle. Has anybody ever seen that before with somebody from Pakistan or India or Bangladesh or something like that? And so I'm walking around and I'm thinking, oh, just they're so immodest. They're so immodest. Because I'm seeing like grown women, doctors, lawyers, whoever you can think about movers and shakers in India, walking around with their belly buttons, and most of them would not be in the kind of shape that you think someone should show off their belly button. Are you guys listening to me? But you see, that wasn't inappropriate for them. And so when they would think about beauty, even as a heavier set woman, when they would think about beauty, that's how they thought about beauty. And yet there's women in America that are the size of a toothpick and they're still ashamed to even go to the, you know, the gym or put on anything and go out swimming because they think everybody's going to be looking at them because they're fat. Where did that come from? That came from their flesh. You see, the flesh of the person in India said, this is desirable. This is sexy. Don't hide them rolls, girl. Let them out. Because those rolls represent your prosperity. You're not starving like the beggar. Does everybody get that? That's in their culture. In America, if you're not skinnier than the girl next to you or the one you saw airbrushed on the, on the magazine cover or on the Facebook ad, then you shouldn't show anything. Now, I'm, I'm talking about inappropriateness here, right? And, and you should have body anorexia or body, body dysphoria. Is everybody tracking? Well, but, but you see, the soul was the same in, this, in the same substance in both of those people. Why is one desiring this and the other one that? 
It's because the flesh, as I want you to understand, is really not you. The flesh is an opportunistic organism that is feeding its own lusts and desires and deceiving your soul to call it an I. That this is mine. This is my body in the sense of my identity. This is my cravings. I hunger for this. I want this. And it becomes deceiving because people think that maybe because they were born a certain way, as we get into the discussion about homosexuality, or people struggling with lust, or those who have anger issues, they adopt all of this information from their body, and they take it on as their identity, but they don't understand that's not really who they are that is really the desires of the flesh that they have now submitted to and now the tail is wagging the dog the flesh that 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 fleshly organism we're now I say flesh I mean the the five senses what you touch taste smell hear and see that is now giving identities everybody tracking with me one last example when young people think about what is cool everybody say cool now I'm not as cool as Jeffrey. Jeffrey might have noticed I'm wearing the same thing I was wearing last night. I'm not that cool. <laughs> Come on. I'm glad you didn't notice that. But I'm the kind of guy, like, if it's not dirty, because I put it on for my guests that came over, and I was, I was like, wonder, man, if they come, they're going to see me in the same clothes. So I was a little self-conscious. But then I told on myself, so I shouldn't have said anything because he didn't notice. But I put it on last night for only two hours when the guests were over, my brother. And when they left, and I woke up this morning, I said, well, I was really comfortable, the slacks and the, the sweatshirt. And I, I smelled it, and it, it passed the sniff test. And I said, of course I'm going to wear this again. This was comfortable. It was right. I wore it only for two hours. You know what I'm talking about, brothers, and especially men know what I'm saying. So I'm not as cool as most people. I, I, I wear Skechers. What are those? They're Skechers, okay? Thank you. In my own way. In my own way. But now I want everybody to think about in your time when coolness mattered. Everybody went through a time when coolness mattered. You might have been a young adult. You might have been a teenager, a child. At some point, both of us or all of us here together, we went through a time where we defined what was cool. Now, once again, don't you think people in India went through that same exact time in their life where they thought what was cool, you know, whatever was cool for them was cool? But was it the same thing? Absolutely not. When I went to India and I started, and this is always why I go back to India because I spent a lot of time there and I got the culture shock of being there. When I went to India, guess what? They were not playing basketball. That wasn't cool to them. They weren't even really doing much soccer and they weren't even really doing much football. And you know what they were doing? They were doing cricket. Literally, cricket was the bee's knees, man. Cricket was, man, if you could play cricket, you would be amazing. Now, when I was talking about cool, when I was talking about cool, and your phase going through, let me just talk to the young men here or anybody who was into sports. Did you think cool was playing cricket? Most nobody here ever thought playing cricket made you cool. Come on, let's be honest. Skateboarding, playing basketball, doing that. that was cool for us. How about music? When I went over there, it was all about Bollywood. Anybody ever heard of Bollywood? Now, when you went through your phase of thinking what is cool, did you ever think to yourself, I want to be a Bollywood star? No, because you were in this place. You were in this dimension. You were in this realm, this culture. And everything that you thought was cool, think about it, was actually stuff that others were saying was cool. And your flesh just began to desire you don't dance like Bollywood. You dance like Michael Jackson or whoever was popular at your time because that was what was cool. The flesh is deceiving that way. It makes you think what is cool is actually you. 
So what does God do? God sets us free from the flesh. He sets us free from the animalistic desires that we have. And he actually shows us what he made us for. But now watch this. The spiritual life is not your decision either. You remember all those examples I just gave you about the flesh? And we kind of all laughed about it. Like, yeah, I have cravings, but I crave a certain thing because of my culture. Yeah, I have certain ideas of what cool is, but it comes from my culture. And, and you kind of laughed at that. But now watch. What does the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit. Because we're talking about the deeds of the flesh versus the Spirit. What the Spirit does is give you what heaven says is cool. What heaven says is amazing. What heaven says is awesome. Is everybody tracking with me? And so this is what we will do as I read the scripture. It's short verses. I got a lot of pictures, a lot more examples by God's grace, but I want everybody to get it. You and I will make one choice. This is the choice we are over. Whose definition of life will we abide by? Who will be our master? This flesh, which will be drawn along by its instincts that you will start to adopt, call it yourself, and not even know that it was never you to begin with. Quick example, when I preach here, you're more than likely a Bears fan. If I went over 30 miles that way, you're a Packers fan. Do you see how silly that is? Right now, some people will pick a team based on what they like, and they don't care what city they live in. But how many know, you just you, you, a team was given to you based on where you were at. And so that's why when we talk about people being born with sinful desires, I don't even argue with that. If I talk to somebody that's, uh, you know, feeling they're trapped in the wrong body or they have a homosexual or lesbian desires and they say, I was born this way, I don't even argue with that because I have been born with proclivities and propensities to sin that came natural to me. I came into this world desiring things through anger, through violence. Remember I taught you, I told you last week that I punched Sonia, a five-year-old girl who took my toy Gave her a bloody nose. My mom had to whoop me on the way home. And why did I do that? Because I watched a lot of Chuck Norris when I was a little kid. And how did Chuck Norris deal with people who took things from him? Punched him in the nose. You take something from me, Sonia, punch you in the nose. That's what's cool around here. And my mom busted my butt with that paddle and showed me that's not happening anymore. But see, that was normal to me. And But, but everybody get this. As normal as the flesh was to us as sinners is as normal as the spirit is to us now as saints. You see, we cannot come into the body of Christ, into Christianity, and act like we're at a disadvantage in serving the spirit because of our fleshly past. If we do that, we're doubting the very power of Jesus Christ who said to be born again. So in other words, somebody says, I was born this way. We agree. Get born again, baby, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this is what I say. Both masters are absolutely in control and are able to get you to do their will. You serve the flesh, the flesh will get you to do its will. How many have understood that the flesh will get you to do what it wants? Come on, can I hear an amen from a, wo a woman that's gone through a time in a month and the flesh has done some stuff to you? Where is my wife? Come on, Nancy. I can always spot when that time of the month is coming because the flesh is wanting to drive her somewhere in some direction. And then all of a sudden, after I have to clean up the puddle of tears as she's been cutting the, the, the vegetables for the dinner that somehow I said the wrong thing about, I now have to bring her back to the spirit. 
And as I told my wife, I'll tell on me, when I come home and I start talking to the kids this way and that way and my flesh is drawing me into um, a controlling nature, what does my wife say to me? When was the last time you ate? <laughs> eat this. Eat this. I'm hang You're hangry. I eat it. Okay, everybody's all right. You're all right. Just forget what I was just saying about 20 minutes ago. You still have a college fund. You still got your bedroom. You just forget what I was saying. You still, you still have a place to stay tonight. Why? Because without even thinking, without it even being a thought, as fast as your hand moves from fire and reaction, your flesh will control you just like that. But guess what? So will the spirit. How many of you have been born again and cussing is now not normal, but blessing your enemy is? Let's just be honest. How many have seen the Holy Spirit lead you into purity and you're just like, okay, I'm going to purity now. I guess I'm going to do it, right? Because he won't force you, but he'll lead you there just, just in such a way that before you know it, you are out of temptation. Because did he not teach us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me, deliver me from evil. Does he keep his word or not? Was that just some wish upon a star type prayer, or is that a real prayer that he backs up every time? It's a real prayer. He keeps his word. And so what I want us to see as we read this is that the one choice we have, because we are autonomous creatures. God has given us a free will. I don't have time to get into the discussion of combat, combatibilism, not combat, but compatibilism. I don't have time to talk about how some people say God's sovereignty and our free will is compatible, and they come with a Calvinistic system of determination. I don't want to spend time into that because most people don't naturally come to that belief system. Most people, especially in the church today, come to the common sense understanding that God has given us a choice and that we are free moral agents. How many of you think that's pretty much common sense? So I'm not going to debunk what I believe to be a, a false understanding known as determinism or compatibilism. I don't want to teach that. I believe in libertarianism, free will. It's a different discussion. I have a theologian amening. It would be a nerd. It would be a time for us to nerd out. But I want to just say this. Every one of us has the ability to act in our own volition. And so we'll do this by an example. You all ready? Okay, raise up any hand that you want. Raise it up, please. I'm just asking you to. You don't have to, but please. Now, put it down whenever you want. Okay. As we did this experiment, you can look at it from two ways. Either God orchestrated everything I did beyond your will and used you as a robot to fit into that moment and made you make believe that you had a will, which is that compatibilism idea, which I will not be getting into, or you and I just acted of our own free volition. And we think of that as normal life. You didn't have to even follow the illustration. But those of you did, you did it of your own free will, and then you put it down whenever you wanted. That is exactly the choice that I'm talking about you and I have. You and I have that choice. Let me say that choice. You now have that choice to who will be your master. So at the point of who will be your master, that's 100% you. 100% it is determined by you, the acting agent of free will, who will be your master. After you make that decision, the determination of where you will now go is 100% towards your master. Does everybody get that? 
So let me just give another illustration because I don't want to be so philosophical. I'm no earthly good asking how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, okay? Or they're staring at my navel asking what is the meaning of life. How many philosophers can get boring and lose everybody here? That's not what I'm trying to do. I just want you to follow because, you know, philosia is, is, is uh, Sophia means now, uh, wisdom. Philo is love. Philosophy means to love knowledge. How many love knowledge and wisdom here, Okay. But now watch this. We're going to bring it to the Bible. I'm going to read all these passages, and hopefully this, this prep work will help us. Listen, when we make that decision, it's 100% our decision. Where we go from that point will be 100% determined by our master, the flesh or the spirit. So imagine you are at a crossroads or at a train station. Let's use a train station example. There is one train that is going north all the way to Canada, Okay. There is another train that is going all the way south to the bottom of the, uh, the South American continent, going all the way down to Chile, Brazil, all of that. Okay, is everybody tracking with me? It is 100% your choice on what train you, got, you get into. But the moment you get into that train, it is 100% the choice of the conductor where you're going. Is everybody tracking? That's the flesh and the spirit. So this is what we have to understand. Your identity will either be molded to something outside of yourself called the flesh, or your identity will be molded to something outside of yourself called the person of the Holy Spirit. This is not just among Christians. This is actually among those who study human nature because of all of those examples that I gave you. We all understand that even when we think we're making choices, they are all coming from presuppositions or foundations that have already been laid. As I mentioned before, when you're thinking right now, are you thinking in Chinese? No, because English or a language like that or Spanish or something similar became your language. And when you started to have self-awareness and started to have self-dialogue, the language was already there. So for me, this would be a fun thought experiment. Joe, try to think in a language other than English because I don't know any other languages. You're tracking with me? I'm going to try right now. Trust me. I'm going to try to think in a language other than English. I can't do it. Try to think in a language you don't know. You can't. Why? Because that is programmed into your flesh and how your soul understands itself. That is out of your control. Now, in this moment right here, try to think of a world that can exist that's not created by God. Now apply that to anything you can think of in God's creation. Try to think of something coming from nothing. Can you do that? It's absolutely impossible. So there are things in my flesh that are absolutely impossible for me to get away from. It is impossible for me to change the language of my thought. There are spiritual principles that are impossible for me to get away from. Can anybody here think of a married bachelor? Can anybody design in their mind right now a square circle? No. These are spiritual principles based in the mind and knowledge of God. The carnal principles are language of a thought and all of these things. And so the soul is using these no matter what, if you're a Christian or not. How many know even if you're a non-Christian, you can't think in a language that you haven't learned? 
you have to learn a language to think in it. Is everybody tracking with me? And how many know if you're a Christian and you speak in tongues and you do all of these things, you can't stop thinking in that language. The Bible says when we speak in tongues, our mind is unfruitful. So you're not technically thinking when you're speaking in tongues. You are bypassing that part of your cognitive experience and you're going directly to the spirit. And there's been brain scans on that. We don't use our language capacities when we're speaking in tongues. So it's not a thought process. I'm not thinking through my tongues like I thought through the sentence I just said. It's already been brain scanned. Are you tracking with me? And then the same way in the spirit, it doesn't matter what religion you're in, how Christian you are, how radical you are, you cannot violate the laws that God's spirit has developed the entire known universe by. When I was talking in the first service about being born again, sometimes people think being born again is kind of kooky, mysterious, but this stuff, this is concrete. So I back them all the way back. Boop, boop, boop. Somebody say, back that thing up. I back it all the way back. Boop, boop, boop. And I say, okay, so this is concrete, but my spiritual nature, I'm playing make-believe. Oh, yeah, you guys are playing make-believe in church. This is the real stuff right here. I ask him, where does real stuff come from? Well, they say, well, there's, you know, there's molecules and there's things there. Oh, there's just molecules just doing their own stuff there. Oh, no, no, the, these molecules follow laws. Oh, where do those laws come from? Can I see the laws of the molecules as I see the molecule? When I view the molecule with a microscope, did I see the law that's attached to it? Does it have the instruction label on it for that molecule to, to operate and to move a certain way? But it even gets deeper than that. Where do molecules come from with those unwritten, uh, un, uh, unseen uh, laws? Where do those come from? Oh, they came from a big bang. What's my question back to that? Who banged it? Things bang by themselves in your world? I bet you make yourself a millionaire too, right, just by thinking about it. But you know, things don't bang themselves. And what banged? Nothing plus nothing equals what? Nothing. So then I show them. I say molecules, laws, all of these things came from somewhere. I'll posit spirit. So the very thing that you think I'm doing to play make-believe is the very thing that was hovering over the waters that put everything in place that you consider to be more real. Actually, what I'm experiencing is more real than your reality. How many have ever played a video game? How many know your reality is more real than the reality of the video game? We are in God's virtual reality. He's standing outside into the real reality. Does everybody get that? As I sit and immerse myself in the video game, and there's one now, the Oculus, you can put on. I immerse myself in it. There's a moment where I take off that, and I'm in something now that's more real than what was once real. The realities have higher degrees of realness, in other words. This virtual world was somewhat real. I, I heard sounds. I saw sights. It made me afraid to go on a plane. It's pretty cool if you're dealing with fear of, fly, of flying and stuff. Do it in a virtual world. If you like to fly, I do all this stuff right, with my kids. And you get to see dinosaurs. It's scary at first, but then they roar, and you like it. Everybody know what I'm talking about. And there's a real experience. It's not fake. There's something real about that experience. But I take off the goggles, and I'm in a more real experience. This world of physical matter is real, but there is a more real experience that the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is experiencing. And when we take off this physical body, we really go to where it's real. And then one day those realities overlap each other. Is everybody tracking with me? The realities have levels of realness. And so for you in the flesh to not live for God even as a non-Christian. You are living in the realm, the Bible says, of the animals. I don't believe we came from the goose of the zoo to you, but the Bible mentioned this. They are mere beasts. Their God is their belly. Anybody hear a scripture like that? 
The Bible describes sinners as being like beasts. Their belly, their appetite, their lust is their God. They don't have a reality greater than this base reality. And in other words, to put it, they have elementary truths, truths that help them understand the universe and how things work or how to bake some food or to eat some bread. All of this is elemental. They don't understand that which is fundamental that gives birth to elemental and then takes you on to different stages. Are you listening to me? When the Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory, this is the experience that we're going to have with God. When the Bible talks about realms, plural, this is what it's talking about. And so putting it back down where we are, everybody say, make it plain. Thank you. Coming back to where we are, where is your reality? Where is your realm? What are you most identifying with? Go to Ephesians chapter 2 for me, please. We'll get into this in just a moment. What realm are you identifying with? Are you identifying with this body that's made of dust and clay, that has its desires that turn on you at any given moment? How many of you have ever bit your lip, and then you bit it again, and then you told yourself, don't you do that, but then you did it again? It kept wanting to bite that lip, didn't it? It couldn't help itself. How many have ever gone on a diet? How many have ever gone on a diet? Come on. How many of you have ever fought your flesh tooth and nail, but somehow that chocolate cake, that ice cream, it made its way right back into your mouth? Your flesh in that realm is a deceitful realm, isn't it? How many of you look back at your high school yearbook and look at your hairstyle and go, I was deceived? I was deceived. How many of you look back at old relationships that you, you just would have swore upon a Bible, it's till death do us part, and now you're ashamed to even say their name? Come on, somebody, high school sweethearts. We look back at them and say, thank you, Jesus, you saved me from them. But most of us here, we don't ever think about it. We just say, well, this is me. This is what I'm doing. No, what we were doing at that time was just following the flesh. It was our master. It was the, the tail, but somehow it became the dog and it waved us. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Well, how was I dead if I was alive? A contradiction, a square circle? No, you were dead spiritually to that realm of the spirit. And you are living in the death realm of the flesh. Does everybody get that? Living in that realm. You and I were dead in transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world. Another translation says we followed the patterns. When I tried to learn how to dance with my Latino gente, they tried to teach me the pattern. Which one am I trying to do right now? There's a little pattern. The salsa, you try to teach me the pattern. Do I got it? I don't <laughs> sister. The way you looked at me, Stancy, was priceless. Thank you. She just felt so bad for her pastor. She's like, stop it, pastor. I can't even look at you. My kids, you guys call this cringe. I went to cringe level right there, right? Cringe level 10. I don't, I don't know the pattern. That's what it feels like when you're in the flesh trying to do the things of the spirit. If you don't know the pattern, you can't please God. Is everybody with me? But in the world, boy, I knew the pattern, man. I knew the pattern. See, this is my pattern. See, I knew the running man pattern. And I can do that, but I can't do this. Why? Because my flesh, even though spiritually dead, chose its pattern, chose its way, but it was still in the realm of the flesh. And the ways you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So the devil, watch, he sees which one, which master we're going to follow. Then he comes and does what he does. Everybody get this. The devil by default is over the world, so when we choose the flesh, he now becomes our king. He becomes our ruler. 
But notice this. He could not make us remain or stay or be in that realm. That had to be our choice to stay and remain. That's why the devil's not the only one going to hell. People who follow the devil, the Bible says, go to hell with the devil. Is everybody tracking with me? I just want to take my time here. So you used to do that. The spirit that's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. Listen to this. Gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following its desires and thoughts. I like saying it like that because it just sounds like it was evil, right? That's what we were doing. You were following. I was following at that time the cravings of my flesh. What is that flesh craving? Anybody relate, relating to me here? Or were you born, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost? Anybody here got a past testimony as a sinner? Okay. What, is it, what does it say? You, you, you lived among them and you were gratifying what your flesh wanted. Like I said before, you can invite me over to your house right now, and you could have a mountain of mint chocolate chip ice cream. You could have it perfectly set up on your living room table. You could have a fountain of it flowing down, and you could ask me, Joe, do you want some chocolate uh, mint ice cream? And I would say, no, thank you. No, thank you. But if you just said, hey, I'm about ready to throw out this carton of chocolate chip cookie dough, and there's this one little, like, there's like this frostbitten little little part right in there. It's got the moisture all frozen on it. Do you want this? I would say, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I would take my hands, my nails. Okay, I'm getting all of this. Why? Because that's what I crave. But how many know if you like the chocolate chip, uh, the mint chocolate chip, you're just, you're just being heaven seeing it like that, but maybe not the the chocolate chip cookie dough. Why? Because we all have different cravings, but nonetheless, the flesh is the thing that's in control. It's desires. Notice it's an it. Thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Everybody say naughty by nature. Naughty by nature deserving of wrath. Does everybody get the point? But what did Jesus do? Because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been what? Saved. And what have you been saved from? That naughty nature. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. You have been saved from the flesh. And then I'll read the passage for today, and hopefully the pictures will help bring it home. Are you all listening? Amen. Look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So his power by the Spirit gives us everything, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the what kind of nature? The divine nature. So I once had a naughty nature, but now in Christ because of the Holy Spirit I've been born again with a divine nature. And what is the result of that? Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by those evil desires. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. I'll read it all the way to the end and make some application. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the what? The flesh, thank you, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the what? Walk by the Spirit, thank you. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
So the choice is to follow the Spirit, and then the Spirit will keep you from the flesh. You can't bypass the Spirit and try to discipline your flesh. I don't care how many times those Hindu monks go up there, become vegans, do the crooked chicken, and do whatever. Their flesh is still in control, mainly the flesh that says, look at me, look at me, crooked chicken, 24 hours, haven't moved. My friend did this. He told me he was so proud of himself. Oh, I go to the ashram. I do the different stances and everything. And he said, oh, do you want to know what I can do? I can hold this stance for 12 hours perfectly. The whole entire time, you know what he's saying to himself? Don't move, don't move, don't move. Stop thinking about thinking. Stop thinking about thinking. The entire time he is self-centered while he thinks he's losing himself. He told me that, too. He said the hardest thing was when I had an itch. He had to focus not on the itch, but on the fact that he was telling himself not to itch. My friend, you're still focused on your flesh, telling your flesh not to be itched. Does everybody get it? Don't itch the flesh. Don't itch the flesh. I'm not thinking about myself while I'm not you know, rebuking myself for itching my flesh. No, you're thinking about your flesh while you're telling yourself not to think about your flesh. You can't escape it. And yet they think they've achieved something. No, no, no. The Bible is very clear. If... You walk by the Spirit, only way, the Holy Spirit given by Jesus Christ through being born again. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Thank you very much. I'll have my steak now, please. I am not wearing the tight vegan or uh, yoga pants. You can wear them if you want, but I don't have to do the crooked chicken today to be free from my evil desires. What do you and I have to do if we want to be free from our evil desires? Follow the Spirit for the flesh. Now watch, here they come. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the what? The flesh. They are in conflict with each other. And now I'm going to read it out of the King James, just because we went through this last time, why I don't prefer the NIV here, so that you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. That part that we learned, just show them in the King James, please, Galatians, 6, uh, Galatians 5, 17. The cannot comes much stronger. Once you make your decision on which one you follow, you cannot now do whatever you want. It is a deception in the sinner's mind that they think they're doing what they want. They are really doing what the flesh desires. And they will be held responsible for that decision that they made. I'm not saying that now they can just throw up their hand and say, well, the flesh made me do it. The flesh made me do it. No, you chose to make the flesh your master. Do alcoholics start off by saying, I want to be an alcoholic when they're 13 years old, sipping rum out of their parents' cabinet. But their flesh said, I got you now. Right? Did the young boys say, I want to be addicted to pornography, never have a solid relationship for the rest of my life because I will only view women as sexual objects when he found the nudie magazine or the uh, advertisement came up on his phone? Did he decide that? No, he saw it in the flesh said, I got you now. And so what happens is the flesh is a wicked, tricky master. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, it's very similar to how that power of the ring takes over people's minds and then draws them into sin. But now watch, God won't let us off like that to say, well, just the flesh made me do it because I believe in something called grace. Everybody say grace. Thank you. I believe in something called providential grace. In other words, I believe in something called grace that is enacted in every single human soul. Romans chapter 1 talks about it. John says it as well. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the light of the conscience coming through Christ. Romans says they knew God. It's not that people don't know God. They reject the God they know when they try to suppress the knowledge of God like a child trying to hold a basketball under the pool water, and it's trying to force up, and the person who's denying God is not really an atheist of heart. They are really a God-hater towards the God they, they know exists, but they don't like, and they're suppressing. Is everybody with me? Okay, track with me here. And so it's not that you can just come out of this on your own. The Holy Spirit is working in your conscience to draw you towards him. And if you resist, as the Bible says not to do, if you resist, your heart gets hard. And that's why Jesus said that the kingdom belongs to children. Because as children, the heart is more believable, more trustworthy. But to those who have more in life experience and wealth, like the rich man, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich middle-aged person to now admit they need Christ. Why? Because they've lived their whole life up until that point based on their own self-determination. Is everybody with me? So look at what it says in the King James. And these are contrary to the uh, one to the other so that you cannot do the things you would. Now let's go back to the notes, please. I want to summarize this quickly. How many are learning something today? Thank you. I'm glad that you're in this service and that God is blessing you because everything that God is asking us to do, we can do. Our choice is to follow the Spirit. You're not under the law, and the law will not make you a Christian. Becoming a Christian enables you to keep the law of God in the new covenant. Amen? Amen. Let's go to it now. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Somebody say they're obvious. Here they are. This is what your flesh and my flesh desires. Though it may have different, like I said, proclivities, it will fall under these categories. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, which is also drug abuse, pharmakia in the Greek, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, in case you didn't cover it all. Now look at what he says. I warn you. Who is the you? The you is the soul, the self-determiner. The one made in the image of God that determines for the self which train they're riding on. The flesh or the spirit. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those who by their determination decide to go on the train of the flesh, they cannot and will not inherit the kingdom of God. No different than if you take the train towards South America, you will not reach Canada. Not assuming that the world is round and you're going to keep going over the ocean, but everybody tracking with me? You will not. Somebody say, you will not. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're going in a different direction. But now notice this. Then verse 19 says, the acts of the flesh are like this. But now, verse 22, it says, but the blank of the Spirit, what does it call it? The fruit. Listen to the two different words. One is a deed, an act. The other one is a what? A fruit. What are we supposed to have in our minds when we hear these two concepts? The deed is something that we're doing and that it's becoming our own fault that we continue in it. And it's a deed we will, we will be responsible for. Even though... The flesh will do more than what we want it to do. Like the old timers used to say, sin will keep you longer than you want and make you do things you never wanted to do. I messed that quote up, but I think some of you know what I'm trying to get at there, right? But we will ultimately be responsible for it. But grace is greater 
than the deeds of the flesh. It says, by the, but the fruit of the Spirit is these things. In other words, what will come out as fruit will be the work of the Spirit. And it will not be attributed to what you did. But if you remain in the flesh, you will be judged by what you did in the flesh. In other words, those who go to hell, go to hell because they deserve it. Those who go to heaven, do it because they don't deserve it. They get there on God's merit, God's grace. Can I hear an amen? You don't go to hell by accident. You go there because you deserve it. You go to heaven because you said, I cannot earn it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now look at verse and highlight these for me, please, 24 through 26. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what with the flesh? Crucified the flesh with its what? Say it like it's, say it like it's passions and desires. Okay, those who, have those who are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now watch, here it is. Since we live by the Spirit, let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Vinny, would you come, please? I want to show this to you in closing. Go to the first picture, please. By God's grace, we'll move on to chapter 6 uh, next week. Here's Timmy, representative of the fallen world, the sinful world. Timmy, like you and I, was born a sinner, darkened heart. Timmy, at this point, has the grace of God begin to work in him. The light of his conscience begins to come, and inside he calls out for more. He sees that the, the pit of his sin is a bottomless pit. At some point, because of God's good grace, the gospel is preached to Timmy. And now Timmy, by the grace of God, has a choice to get off the train or the path headed for destruction and choose the path of the Spirit headed towards heaven. How many are on that train? Choo-choo. Anybody on that train today? Come on, anybody on the train going to heaven? How many have gotten off the train going to hell? Okay? Amen. And what happens at that moment? Does he become the master of his own life? No. Even in the flesh, he wasn't the master of his own life. His flesh was his master. What does he do now? He switches masters. But the master that he will now serve is the greatest of all masters. Because Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21, who knew no sin, became sin for Timmy, that in him, Timmy, might become the righteousness of God. So this master took on all the sin that Timmy had done. And now it's brought to Christ. And there Timmy dies with Christ, the Bible says. And in a grave, Timmy buries his old life. But how many know Christ didn't remain in the grave? On the third day, he rose again. How many, hallelujah. How many are today risen with Christ? I can't wait for Easter. Come on, Resurrection Sunday. And so now Timmy, he has a new master. He has a new life. And he has the ability to now keep the laws of God. There are laws in the new covenant. All the moral laws from old to new are exactly the same. Civil, ceremonial have changed. And so now in the New Testament, he's going to keep a moral law, the new covenant, and he's going to be obedient to Christ and his commands. He's going to do it because Christ has set him free from the master of the flesh. 
He has been delivered from the dominion of darkness. Now he's been brought into the marvelous light. He has went from being dead spiritually to being alive. He went from being an old creation to a new creation. He went from being a sinner to a saint. Are you listening? That's what happened. And now by the Spirit, he can do what Jesus does. So what he once thought was impossible, you can read Romans 7 about the conflicted and convicted person. At one point, he probably knew some things he needed to change about himself, but he was powerless to do so. But who rescued him from the body of death? Thanks be to God, it was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rescued him from the flesh. Now make it personal. Joe, November 5th, 1995, was rescued from the flesh that I had inherited from Adam and Eve and those proclivities that became natural to me. I was set free from them. And now I was given a new life with a new set of commands and an empowerment to live them. Have you experienced that? Because that's how it works. It's all in Christ. And now I choose, because that volition still remains, I choose to remain in him. Because doesn't Jesus speak to his disciples that way in John 15? Remain in me, and I in you. Let my words remain in you, and you will bear good fruit, and this will be to my Father. And all those who bear fruit will be pruned to bear even more fruit. Isn't that what it says? But those who do not remain in me will be cut off and thrown into the fire with the rest of those branches. So as I like to say, Jesus is not a divine kidnapper from the 80s getting us to come to his white van without any windows and then locks us in. Hey, kid, you want to go to heaven? Come on in. Now, we got him, angels. Shut the door. Let's go. Do I have a choice to come out of that relationship? I do because I maintain that same volition. He wasn't looking for robots. He was looking for a relationship. So backsliding is a possibility, but it's not something you will unintentionally lose, like how my wife loses her cell phone and has to look for it every single day and ask me to help her, okay? She does have six kids. She teaches in a Bible college and puts up with me, but my wife loses her phone accidentally. Can anybody relate to that? You won't accidentally come out of Christ, but if you develop a habit of the flesh, the flesh will make your heart hard towards the things of God, and then In that place of conviction, you may walk away and say, I would rather come out of this relationship and now live the way I once lived. But how many want to live with Jesus to the day they die? Amen. And keep living with him every day. Next picture, please. The next picture. So that's where our choice remains in closing today. This is it. I can live a crucified life and now live in the realm of the Spirit and let the Spirit do things in me that I never thought or imagined. How many already today are born again and you're seeing things in the Spirit that you never thought or imagined you would ever experience? Okay? So let's just make it plain and close. I want everybody to get this. You had a man, young man like myself living in perversion at 18 and now I'm a married father with six children. What transformed? My master. The flesh said use sex as a way to, uh, you know, to please your, your appetites and desires, to use sex as this temporary pleasure, right? When I got born again, Christ said sex was for family and for beauty and for love. See, masters change desires. 
Masters change desires. Realms, realms is where you live. I live in the realm of the Spirit now by my Master, Jesus Christ. I am seated with Him in heavenly places. I am no longer in the realm of my flesh. And this, by the way, was the reason why if you ever read through Paul and you hear him talking to the Thessalonians and he's rebuking them, he says, some of you think the resurrection has already happened. Those guys are crazy. Do you want to know why that argument was even being made? Because they were hearing Paul preach like this. And they were thinking, man, if I've been dead, buried, and resurrected with Christ, then the resurrection must have happened. I'm no longer in the flesh. I'm glorified. He had to rebuke that because they were taking so literal what he was saying. But here's the thing. Some of you here never see yourself in the spirit. You're going on the other side. You only see yourself in the flesh. You see, they erred in that church of Thessalonica to only see the Spirit and not understand they still have an obligation while in an earthly body to count it as crucified. But there are some of you who say you've been born again, you've been saved, but what have you been saved from? You still got stinking thinking, you still got an attitude, you're still just as perverted as you all you, you were before. What are you really saved from? Because you don't identify with the new realm and you're not living by faith in Christ Jesus. And so there's a perfect balance in the middle. I'm in the realm of the Spirit. I am born of the Spirit. But in this earthly body, I will remain here until it passes. And I'm with Him. And then this is re renewed and made brand new. So I have to every day desire the Spirit over the flesh, lest I be deceived by that old flesh. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Next picture, please. In closing, thank you. I know I'm getting there a little bit slow, but I just want everybody to see this as we move on so I can have it here. Send it. You know, please send this to your friends. This is what we look like, dead in our spirit before Christ, mind, will, and emotions driven by our flesh, and that's the darkness of this world. That's what the Bible says when it says we were dead in Christ. Now go to the next one, please. Sometimes people, when they tell this story of being born again, they tell it incorrectly, and they say that only my spirit was born again. And so not only do I have to crucify my flesh, but because I have to renew my mind, it's still appropriate for me to think of myself as a sinner because I still have sinful thoughts and so forth. What they don't understand is that the soul is not really the one that is starting or originating those thoughts. It's coming from the flesh. Paul was very clear, and so are the apostles, that it's the body that which remains that has to die is where those sinful desires are coming from. It's not the soul. You'll never find it one place. When the Bible says the heart is wicked beyond anything, it's deceitful, that is what is born again. Is not your heart born again? So I don't have a deceitful heart anymore. And then some people say, well, my mind it needs to be renewed. Have you even read the word renewed? How can you renew something if it wasn't new to begin with? Whenever a Christian renews their mind, they're bringing it back to the default of the perfection that God gave them. The Bible says you have presently the mind of Christ. Oh, I only got a half amen. We're going to be here for a little bit. Does everybody get that? You got to get it. Your mind was saved. Your will was saved. Your emotions were saved. Let me show you in Peter. Now that you have purified yourselves, you know what that word yourselves is in the Greek? It's souls. Sike. Now that you have purified your souls in the King James, yourselves. See, myself includes mind, will, and emotion, doesn't it? Does myself include mind, will, and emotion? 
A spirit without mind, will, and emotion is just something that has a force, but no volition. That's why we do not agree with what the Jehovah Witnesses say, that the Holy Spirit's an it. We believe the Holy Spirit's a person. Where does the personality of the Holy Spirit come from? It comes from the Godhead, from the Father and the Son. The Spirit speaking with the Father and Son say, can I hear an amen? Where does the personality of your spirit come from? Do you just have like a mindless force in you? No, your spirit empowers a soul to have mind, will, and emotions. You are a spiritual soul. That is yourself. You are not a body. You're not your stomach. If you were, I could remove parts of it and I could remove parts of you. If you lose a hand, are you less of you? My friend, he lost his hand in a tractor accident. Was he less of a you after he lost his hand? How many body parts could I remove? I could remove all of them and you would be bodiless, disembodied, and you're still a you, right? The you is what is purified. How were you purified? By obeying the truth so that out of uh, this sincere love you can love each other deeply from the heart. How can I love you from my heart if my heart is still wicked and impure? I can't. The heart has to be purified. He said in Ezekiel, I'll give them a new heart, a new spirit, both. New heart and spirit. Heart is another word for soul. It says love each other deeply from the heart. For you have been what? Born again. Somebody say born again. I know it's small, but born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So here's how you're supposed to not look at yourself. Do not take anything in this to identify with who you are if it's outside of Christ. It is your flesh trying to deceive you. If you have claimed Christ, let me be clear. If you have claimed Christ and you have a thought of temptation, that is not you, that is your flesh. You must crucify that and say, that's not who I am. Does everybody get it? I am not this temptation. How many know Jesus was tempted, but his soul and spirit was like this? Now, because he was born of a virgin, he had a different body than us. But going back to this, when I am tempted, I have a choice. I, the me, have a choice to give into it and identify with the flesh or to resist it. I could not do that unless my soul had been purified. Here's the way I look at it. Your soul is clean in Christ after being born again. Any sin or temptation is like dirty water droplets coming in there. Your default position is to always be pure. So whenever a temptation comes that you have given into, repent so you can return, be renewed to that which is new. In other words, some people are on the, 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 uh, the treadmill of renewing, and they're not moving anywhere. They never get to new because they're always trying to renew, 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 renew. No, baby, whenever I renew, I go back to default perfection, the mind of Christ. It is not a rat race. It is not a gerbil wheel. Confess all known sin today and confess I have the mind of Christ. Done. If you have any hidden sin, pray the prayer of Psalm 139. If there is anything in me that is not of you, God, remove it. That's what Psalm 139 says. Are you listening? Can I hear an amen? amen. Search my heart, O oh God, and see if there's any unclean way in me. Prove me and try me. This is the Christian life. These are the ways of the holiness preachers. Wesley, Charles Finney, the ones that I've listened to for years that now their, their generation, uh, the generation after them have become backslidden. Now look at 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your what? So sinful desires wage against my what? Soul. Some people have taught you that your soul is waging a war against your spirit as a Christian. Is that what the scripture says? 
No, the scripture says that sinful desires, which we know come from the flesh, they wage war against your soul. I am not my sinful desires any more than I am my stomach and my appetite desires. As a Christian, as a Christian, I am no more my fleeting thoughts of temptation than I am my fleeting thoughts of winning the lottery and having $100 million and hanging out with uh, Elon Musk. You are not the thoughts outside of your soul that tempt you to go against God. Those are intrusive thoughts. Part of my study into this, this is my expertise by God grace. Uh, this is what I did my doctoral studies in. I also did the neuroscience as well. Your brain produces its own thoughts and desires. They have found in the animal's brains, which have a nefesh, a soul, it's life. Genesis says they have a similar life like us, but they do not have a God kind of life, an image of Mago Day like us. Track with me here. But their brains, an animal brain, is so powerful that they have found intelligent animals can dream, can desire, can hope, can be disappointed, can become bitter. As a matter of fact, everything that we have found there, even catnip and desiring drugs, witchcraft, most of all those things on the fleshly list, animals themselves can do. But why is it not considered a sin? Because they have no volition of the will. They only live by instinct. Why is it considered sinful for us? Because we are choosing to remain with that master. When the grace of God has come and we hear the gospel, it is now our choice to change our masters. And when you come into Christ, uh, saints, stop thinking that this is still jacked up, that you're like on some power bar. Now your soul is 10% saved, 20% saved, 30%, 40%, 50%. Sometimes I'm crazy. I'm only 30. I go backwards. This is who you are. And remember that when you are facing those sinful desires, they are coming towards and from your flesh. Amen? Last one. In my fifth closing, please give me the last one. What train are you going to ride on in life? The flesh or the born-again spiritual soul? You notice how I combine those together? That's actually what the Hebrew means when it says, he breathed into man and man became a living soul, a spiritual, thinking, will, willful, emotional being. Which one are you going to live in today? Which one is going to be your master today? The rejuvenated, renewed, born again, spiritual soul. And from that place, should you sin, you will repent, return to where you're supposed to be, be renewed to who you are supposed to be, renew the mind, think how you're supposed to think, and move forward. Or live a life without God, in the flesh, that then will suffer the penalty of rebellion against its maker. So today, this is how we are supposed to live and our mind, will, and emotions. Anything that ever is not of that, you know is the flesh. And as a Christian, this is an invading army. This is not normal. This is abnormal attacks against you. If you're in the flesh and you don't have Christ, that is your default. But for us who follow the Spirit, that is our default. And so what I have learned, let me just say this in closing, anybody wants the book today, I wrote the doctoral studies out in a real simple book. It's called In Him. It's for free. You can have it online or right, right back there. I took students through the lessons, and I documented through what they call qualitative research. And I found out that there was over an 80 to 90% increase 
and keeping God's commands when they understood the, fl- the slides that are in the book that I just gave you. In other words, they double tripled the ability to understand Christianity when they started from this mindset as opposed to another mindset. Like I said, some people start with, I'm always a sinner. I'm always going to, I'm going to die a sinner. And they try to live Christianity that way. How, how do you think they're going to live when they think they're a sinner? They live as a sinner. Others, as I showed you before, if you could put that slide up just to, just to review, that one that shows the, the spirit being born again, but the soul, some of them had incorrect ideas. This was a Dr. Dr. Hyde, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. Well, my spirit wants Jesus, but my soul is crazy. It's almost like a centaur, half, half horse, half human. That's my horse coming out. And that's how they would live their Christianity, and they would go to Romans 7. They would go to Romans 7 and say, see, the things I want to do, I can't do. But the things I don't want to do, those things I keep doing. And they go, see, I'm living in Romans 7. And I go, Romans 7 ends with Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because those who were once dead in the Spirit have been made alive by the Spirit. They have been set free from the law of sin and death. In that last slide, I want to ask you now in closing, thank you for your patience. I was watching this African preacher you turned me on to. I wanted to see when he got the mic because I saw it was five-hour services. In Africa, 50,000 people. He only got the mic about 30, 40 minutes in, preached for about a good two hours. So that's where I'm at today, just to let you know. Yeah, yeah and then he would, do it, he would sing again and go back to preaching. I just want everybody to see this. If, if you think I just played a mind game with you, well, now I'm going to look at it this way. Well, that's kind of confusing. I kind of like just to think of myself just like this. No, I'm telling you, if you don't get this, you're going to understand. Uh, you're not going to understand why there was holiness movements and why your neighbor's living holy and you're not. You're going to think they are better at willpower than you. Man, because uh, this is my testimony. I haven't looked at pornography since 96. And you're going to go like men in this place. Come on, brother. Men are going to be in this place and they're going to go, wow, good for you, Pastor Joe. You're just amazing. Well, I don't even believe it. But even if I did, that's just him. You're going to look at me and mock me. And you're going to mock my holiness testimony. And you're going to think if it's not true, you're going to think that somehow it was just, you know, if you even believe it, you're going to think, well, Joe's different. No, Joe believes he is who God said he is and can do what God said he can do. You and I will start this journey, excuse me, you and I will finish this journey how we start it. If you start it believing you're in the flesh, you're going to end in the flesh. If you believe you've been born again, you're going to end in the spirit. That's why this teaching will radically change your life and the holiness message will no longer be threatening to you because every time a preacher says, we're going to talk about the flesh and the spirit, we're going to talk about living holy, you won't freak out and go run and hide and go, oh my goodness, I mean, just how many times have I sinned today? You're going to say, let's go because you will see the holiness message in the identity of Christ. Notice this. Be ye holy for I am holy. Do you see how the holiness message works? Why is it I can live holy? Because my God is holy and he's made me in his image. I've been born again. Be ye perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. Do you see how that transforms your life now? So today, I want to encourage all of us.
If we're not Christians, to become Christians born again. For those of us who are Christians, to come to the right foundation of living by the Spirit and putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And then from holiness, from holiness, live a life of good works pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. Holiness is not something you're trying to achieve by your good works. Holiness is the foundation for all the good works you do. Otherwise, you're going through life with tar on your hands trying to clean everybody. How can I clean you if I have tar on my hands? Holiness is the foundation for everything we do. The psalmist said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Lift up holy hands without wrath or dissension. When you listen to even how the Bible starts, to the, the, each epistle, to the saints, to the holy ones of Corinth, to the saints of Ephesus, everything in the Christian faith is assuming that you know what it is to be born again and live by the Spirit in holiness. Being born again is not something I'm hoping to be. I start at being born again. Are you listening? I'm not hoping to be perfected in Christ. I start at perfected in Christ. I'm not hoping for a mind to be made new. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not hoping to be a new creation. I am a new creation in Christ. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus today. Come on. Praise God. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? How many want to live holy for he is holy? How many believe you are who God said you are? You can do everything he said you can do. How many of you are today crucifying the flesh? It will not have mastery over you. Father, I thank you today for a new life. If you're born again already, would you thank him with me? Gracias, Señor. I've been made new. The power of sin has been broken. Hallelujah. The presence of sin has been removed. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Thank you, Jesus. I may knew. The holiness preachers used to say the power of sin has been broken. The presence of sin removed. And the penalty of sin has been paid for. Those three Ps were the way the holiness preachers would preach. Now I just want us to sing it as we're worshiping him. The power of sin is broken. The presence of sin removed. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Thank you, Jesus, I made new. The power, the power of sin is broken. The, the presence, presence of sin removed. The penalty. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. The power. The power of You don't sin have the master broken. of the devil anymore. The presence of You have sin the removed. power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Yes, Thank Lord. you, Jesus. Those of you who are going to keep praying and worshiping that have been born again, go ahead, keep going. But I want to talk to those who haven't been born again yet. Today, if you need to be born again, repent right now and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And you too will have the power of sin broken. You too will have the presence of sin removed. The penalty of sin has been paid for. You too will be saying, thank you, Jesus, I made new. 
Right now, right now, who needs to be born again? Start to pray at your seat or come forward. Be born again of the Spirit so you don't have to live according to the flesh anymore. A few moments, those who have already been born again, have you been baptized in the Spirit, begin to speak in other tongues? Because those who have been born right now, they don't have the chance yet to do it, but you do. Renew your flesh, your mind, to the things of the Spirit right now. Make your body your master, or your, your slave to the Spirit master. Come on. Sometimes I think the reason why we pray in tongues is to just stump the body, to just, def- def- you know, to confound the mind, to bypass those things that we've idolized. Those who need to get saved, get saved. Those who are already saved, come on. Begin to speak in other tongues. Renew your spirit, man. Let your mind be renewed. You don't know how to pray like you ought to, but there's groanings and wordless utters that you can come forth with right now, words you haven't learned. And if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit and you're a Christian, you can come up. We'll pray for you. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but let's end out here encountering the Spirit. Jesus. And if you've been afflicted by the devil, I'll pray a prayer of deliverance. Be free right now in Jesus' name.